Well, once again, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Crossroads. We're so glad you're here with us today, whether you're here at Newburgh, you're at our West Campus, or watching online. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, like they said, my name is Ross. I'm the high school pastor here at our Newburgh campus, and I'm so thrilled to be here with you today as we are in week two of our series, Entrusted. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter two. Uh, Ken Eidelman did, did such an amazing job last week in 2 Timothy chapter one, and uh, today we're gonna pick up in chapter two. And while you're turning there, uh, once again, I wanna say a very special happy Veterans Day to all the vets out there. One more time, come on, can we give it up for all of our vets that are watching, that are here with us. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to be reading 13 verses today. We're going to start in verse 1, so uh, bear with me, hang with me here. This is what the Bible says. This is Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust, there's our word, to reliable people who will always, or who will also be qualified to teach others. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight to all of this. Now check out what it says here in verse eight. This is where it gets really good. Remember, everybody say remember. Come on, wake up this morning, everybody say remember. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead descended from David, this is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. I wanted to talk to you this morning from this one idea of I forgot. I forgot. Somebody look to your neighbor and say, I forgot. <laughs> Come on, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray over our time together today. Lord, I'm just so thankful for who you are, for the fact that we get to come here and we get to worship you, we get to learn more about you. Would you help me today to communicate your word clearly and effectively? And will we leave this place, whether we're here at Newburgh or at our West Campus, or will we turn off our computer today as we get done with our time together better than we started this morning? It's in your name we pray. And everybody said... Amen, amen. I just wanna see who we're working with here this morning, here at Newburgh or at our West Campus. How many of you would, are, are single in the room? Any single people in the room? Single people in the room? I only do that so the single people can maybe look around, maybe scope out some 
potential. <laughs> um, well, I want to know where are married people? Married people? Hey, there it is. There it is. Married life is the best life, isn't it? My wife, Nikki, and I, who is actually at our West Campus today, we are coming up on six years of marriage. And uh, I'm telling you, it's been the best decision I ever made, certainly the best decision she ever made. And uh, it's amazing, man. But you know, the truth is that, that marriage doesn't come uh, without a few bumps in the road. I can remember our first year of marriage. Um, my wife, Nick, and I, we, um, we shared one car and we were coming home from work in, uh, in Tampa, Florida. And, um, and all we needed to do was just come home because we had, we had friends coming over later that night. Nikki planned on dropping me off at home and then she was gonna run to the grocery store. But on our way home, she looks at me and she goes, hey, I need you when you get home to turn on the oven. I need you to preheat the oven. I got some things I need to, I need to cook. I said, that's fine. I'm just gonna turn on the oven and, and then get in the shower. And she looks at me and she goes, do, do you know how to turn on the oven? I'm like, Nikki, yes, I know how to turn on the oven. It's, you know, it's easy. You just, you know, you, you press the button, you know? She goes, are you, are you sure? Because I know, honey, sometimes, you know, you, you struggle with things like that. And I said, I'm fine. I know how to turn on the oven. She drops me off at our apartment, you know, and I go in there, I turn the oven on, and I go get in the shower. But the same time that I'm getting out of the shower, Nikki has already gone to the grocery store, and now she is back home. And she comes into our bedroom, and she says, honey, is there... Is there smoke in our apartment? I said, no, girl, I just took a shower. It's probably just the steam. As soon as I said that, the smoke alarm goes off in our apartment. I'm freaking out. I run into the kitchen to kind of see what's going on. I open up the oven, and now may be a good time to explain to you that uh, in Florida, we had a one-bedroom apartment, very small. We didn't have a lot of storage space. And um, Nikki, from time to time, would, would, would store things in, in certain areas, you know, that didn't quite belong there. And some of our pots and pans were, were in the oven. But also, um, see, for our wedding, we received um, like this egg poacher that we had not opened because who uses an egg poacher? And it was still in the box and then placed in the oven. I open up the oven and the box is engulfed in flames. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what's not flammable? What's not flammable? I grab two wooden spoons. <laughs> I'm completely panicking. I grab the box out with the two wooden spoons. I run out to our patio. I throw it out on the patio and I start stomping the box, right? I put the fire out and I felt like a hero until I looked at my wife and she was not proud. And then an argument or a verbal joust, as we like to call them, um, <laughs> began in our home. She said, I can't believe you. I reminded you over and over again. I even asked if you knew how to do this. I said, I do know how to do this, but you didn't remind me that there was a box in the oven. She goes, well, you already knew that that box was in the oven. You know, I put things in the oven. I said, only a crazy person puts things in the oven. I mean, I love you. And then I see my wife, she starts staring at the box. She's looking and she's thinking. I can tell she's thinking. She does most of that in the family. She's, she's thinking and she says, Ross, I, I see the burn mark from where, from what just happened, but on the other side of the box, there's another burn mark. She said, Ross, is, is this the second time this has happened? I said, I love you. What she didn't know was that it was the third time it had happened. <laughs> what is 
my point in telling you that story? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, the point is this. I, like many of us, we would probably admit that we are forgetful, that we forget things from time to time. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is writing to Timothy in a very difficult time for Christians. They're being persecuted. They're being killed. Paul himself is in prison while he is writing because of his faith. It's a hard time. And Paul is writing to Timothy basically to tell him, don't give up. He says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Essentially, don't forget, don't give up, Timothy. Paul feels the need to remind Timothy of what he believes. This is a little bit strange to me, that Paul feels the need, he, he, he tends to think that Timothy is going to be tempted to forget. What's weird about this is that Paul's not writing to an unbeliever. He's writing to Timothy, a man who is preaching the gospel. How does a man who's preaching the gospel forget the gospel? I'll tell you why, because Galatians chapter two actually tells us that you set aside the grace of God. Galatians five says that you've fallen from the grace of God. How does a man or woman of God set aside the grace of God or fall from the grace of God? I'll tell you how you just forget. Not forgetting in the sense that you don't know that it's there, but it just over time gets old. It, it, it becomes grace of God, glory, hallelujah. It's the good news, it's the gospel, amen. God is good all the time and all the time God is good, amen? Yes, yes it is. It becomes jargon, it's a saying, it's a statement that we use to make ourselves feel better. The problem with this is that we live in a world that is obsessed with new when we just think of old things that we already know. It's, it's, it's Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. So. Yeah, I know that song. It's, yeah, it's an old one. I grew up singing it. It just becomes second nature. It's just a part of our language. Yet we live in a culture that is obsessed with new, right? New clothes, new shoes, new phones, new updates for that new phone. The other day I was watching Netflix. I turned off a movie because I thought it was old. It was made in 2016. We are obsessed with new. Yet here comes Jesus and he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. It's easy to see how sometimes, let's just be honest, Jesus can get old and we forget. I think one of the greatest difficulties you'll ever have as a Christian is the ability to recall, rehearse, or remember what you have in Jesus and what you've been entrusted with. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. And maybe like Paul, I'm up here on this stage today to remind you and remind even myself why we do what we do, who we've been called to be. I think as Christians, there are several things that we just love to forget. Today I have three points and there are three things that I think we just, we just tend to forget. Number one is this. Number one, we're entrusted, we forget this, we're entrusted to sacrifice. 
What does it mean to sacrifice? It means to give up something. To give up something for the sake of something or someone else, to give up something. Check out what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse three. We read this earlier. Paul's talking, he says, join me in suffering. Like a good soldier, we know, especially on a weekend like this, what soldiers do, they, they have sacrificed. Like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Then check out what it says in verse eight. Here it is again. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering. He's suffering for the gospel, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Anyone ever ran out of gas before? You ever ran out of gas, anybody? <laughs> how stupid does that make you feel? Like, you're like, I know in order to make the car go, <laughs> I have to put gas in it. My wife, Nikki, she has taken the spiritual gifts test and her spiritual gift actually is to never, ever put gas in our car. <laughs> you ever gotten in your car before and you're in your driveway and the, and the monitor says zero miles till empty? Like. <laughs> It's like, where do we go from here, you know? It's so funny, because we know what it takes. We know to get from point A to point B, it's going to require what? Sacrifice. You have to, if you will, sacrifice your fuel. You know that that's what it takes to get from one place to another. Hear me today, there is no progress without sacrifice. If you would tell me that there's an area of your life that is lacking progress, I'd probably tell you that in that area of life, you are unwilling to sacrifice. There's something that you are unwilling to sacrifice. I've heard it said this way. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want will be the sacrifice. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want will be the sacrifice, come on, we know this to be true. If you want your health to get better this year, there's gonna be some things that you need to sacrifice. If you want your family, your marriage to be the family or the marriage that you envision, envision for yourself, guess what? You're gonna have to sacrifice some things. If you wanna be the employee that you always dreamed of being, there's going to be some things that we must sacrifice. Problem is, for a lot of us, we don't like this word, sacrifice. Sounds really bad, actually. And maybe if you're like me, you grew up in church and when you think of the word sacrifice, you think of a very popular scripture found in Romans chapter 12. And Romans chapter 12, Paul is actually writing and this is what he says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Notice this says living sacrifice. What does this mean? It means because Jesus died for you, we get to live for him. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now check out what it says here. A lot of us, we grew up in church and we believe that part that says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. What this means is we grew up in church learning this. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs, don't have sex with people you're not married to, don't wear skinny jeans, no tattoos, no dancing, dancing leads to sex. Did you hear they were pregnant? Were they dancing? <laughs> this is what you grow up in church living, but actually, actually, what Paul gets to is he says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. It's almost as if he skips right over behavior and he goes straight to your way of thinking. 
See, Paul understood that your behavior is actually just a byproduct of the way that you think. He goes straight to the mind, straight to the way of thinking. And as I read in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it's almost as if Paul has taken this to heart now. He's written it in Romans, but now he's living it out in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Listen to what he says in verse 3. He says, he says, join me in suffering. What? Paul, what did you just say? Come, join me. No, the, the last part. In suffering? <laughs> Paul, are you okay? Yep, I sure am. Join me in suffering. Suffering's the reason why I'm in chains. I love suffering. It's so great. And then he drops this line. He's like, but God's word is not bound. Am I right? Amen. <laughs> You're like, Paul, did you take your crazy pills today? What do you mean? Join you in suffering? No, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's the reason why I'm in chains. It's almost as if he's happy about it. Like he's willing to suffer. He's willingly sacrificing. I think it's because Paul got this revelation that it doesn't matter what happens to me, it will not change what comes through me. Many of us, we need to get that same revelation today that what's happening to me, my external problems do not change my internal way of thinking. What happens to me does not change what's coming through me. Come on, a believer does not think like the world. Do we? Or at least we shouldn't. When the rest of the world is thinking about power, we're thinking to ourselves, no, I'll sacrifice power in order to gain my purpose. When the rest of the world is thinking about lust, we say, uh-uh, I will sacrifice lust in order to gain love. Why? Because lust is a feeling, but love is a choice, and it is so much better than lust. When the rest of the world is thinking about greed, the Christian thinks about generosity. When the rest of the world is thinking about faith, the Christian believes in fear. When the rest of the world is thinking about self, the believer says, I've already Already died to self. I'm a living sacrifice now. I'm changing my mind. I'm changing the way I'm thinking. I'm thinking higher thoughts. I'm thinking heavenly thoughts. I'm thinking God thoughts. I've changed my mind. Come on, is there anybody who can agree with me tonight? Our sacrifice actually starts with the way that we think. Our sacrifice starts with the way that we think. We've been entrusted to sacrifice. The second thing is this, we've been entrusted to serve. Things that we love to forget, we've been entrusted to serve. If sacrifice is giving up something, then serving is giving to something. Check out what it says in verse 10. Paul again says, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. What's his number one priority here? Others. I'm doing this for something or someone else. How many of you know that you give towards what you love? I love Nikki, so I can either complain about the fact that she never puts gas in the car or I can serve her and put gas, gas in the car anyway. This is what our relationship is. This is what any healthy relationship is. It is a give and take. It is serving each other back and forth. In our home, I do the dishes, I take out the trash, and Nikki does everything else. <laughs> but come on, this is very similar to, to our relationship with Jesus, isn't it? 
We talked about this last time I was up on this stage talking to you that anything we could ever do for him is simply just in response to what he's already done for us. The little serving that we do, oh man, it could never amount to the fact that Jesus has already served us by going to the cross. Paul talks about serving a lot in the Bible. And when he does, he actually uses this metaphor that you and I are the body of Christ. You and I, we are the body of Christ. This is why here at Crossroads, we offer things like next steps, what our host was talking about earlier. Why? Because we want you to figure out what, body, what part of the body you are. You have a part to play in this thing. And many times at a church our size, I think people look around and they go, mm, wow, this is impressive. This is nice. I mean, they, these guys, they got it. They got it together. Then I guess they don't need me. And that line of thinking could not be any further from the truth because whether things are going great or whether things are going bad, you still have a part to play. You are still a part of this body and you have a function. When we first moved here, I decided we moved to a new state. I wanted a new fresh start. I decided I was gonna get back in the gym like I need to, obviously. Um, I'm just kidding. I remember I, I, I go to the gym because I, I had hired myself a personal trainer. I go for my first session and I thought, you know, I'm meeting this guy and we're just gonna have a little conversation. I had Hardy's that morning. We get there and I meet the guy, his name's Mike. I'm like, hey Mike, how are you? He's like, all right, ready to get to work? I was like, what? <laughs> We go and we start working out about 20 minutes in. I mean, I'm telling you, I was not prepared. I was about to die. So much so, 20 minutes in, I tell him, I'm like, Mike, man, you gotta chill out, okay? I gotta, I gotta stop. I, um, I need to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom, I splashed water on my face, no lie. <laughs> After I did that, I snuck out and I left. I never went back. Two or three times I've seen Mike around town and I have completely avoided him. Mike, if you're watching this, I am so, so sorry. I, um, I'll never forget though, the next day, man, I woke up and parts of my body were aching that I did not know even existed. I'm like, how do my toes hurt? You know, like, like what is that? I got a muscle there, didn't know that existed, you know? It's because there were parts of my body that had never been worked before and finally they were being engaged. And I believe the Lord gave me a picture of this is what the church looks like. So many churches all over the place are on the verge of dying, quitting, or giving up simply because there are parts of the body that have yet to be engaged. But if every part would engage, if every part would do their part, do their function, we would realize that we are better, faster, and stronger than we ever realized. This is why Paul is saying to Timothy, I endure, I suffer, I sacrifice for the sake of others. I hate to admit it, but as I get older, I have to admit I'm, I'm a little bit accident prone. I can, uh, you know, I, I was uh, playing basketball not too long ago here in the gym here at church. And uh, obviously I'm an elite athlete. And um, I was playing basketball, you know, they, 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 um, I'm a baller. It just is what it is. You know, it's, Dribble, pass, shoot, it's a rhythm, you know, no big deal. I was out there playing with my friends, you know, and, and, uh, and I made a steal, not, not, I'm not bragging or anything, it just probably should have been on SportsCenter. And um, I made this steal and I'm, I'm dribbling down the court and there's a guy guarding me and I, I planned on juking him and I juked him, right? I juked so well also though that I juked myself. And um, I heard a big loud pop in my knee and I collapsed 
on the floor. I mean, this was like the kind of pain that like takes your breath away. I hadn't had the wind knocked out of me like this since I was a kid. You know, my friends are asking me like, Ross, are you okay? I'm like, give me a second. They're like, what? I was like, give me a second. <laughs> you know? And it turns out, man, I really messed up my knee. Even to this day, as I'm standing on this stage, I can tell you, I still like feel a little bit of uncomfortableness, is that a word? In my knee. It's still not 100%. It took an injury for me to realize how valuable my knees were. I don't know about you, I've never woken up in the morning and gone like, Lord, thank you for the ligaments in my knees. Never looked in the mirror and be like, these kneecaps, my God. <laughs> never have done that, never have done that. But what's sad is that now looking back on it, I wish I had my old knee back. Oh man, I hope and pray we never have to lose somebody to realize just how valuable they were. I hope and pray that we're telling people now how valuable they are, how wonderful they are. I've told my friends, I'm not waiting till your funeral to give you your eulogy. I'm gonna tell you right now just how much you are needed. And if you're here at this church, it doesn't matter if you've been here for one day or you've been coming here for all 51 years that we've existed. You belong here. You can be a part of what we're doing here. You belong in this body. You have a function. You have a part to play. You are vital. You are necessary. And we need you. We need you. You're entrusted with this as well. You're entrusted to serve, may we never forget that. Never, may we never forget to remind people of that as well. We're entrusted to serve. Number three, we're entrusted to submit. Ooh, I hate this word. We're entrusted to submit. Check out what it says in verse 11. Here's a trustworthy saying, many Bible scholars actually inferred that the rest of this is an old hymn that both Paul and Timothy and most people would have known. It's an old song. Basically, Paul is saying, just remember that old song, man. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we disown him, he'll also disown us. This next part even sounds like a song. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. We are entrusted to submit. Many times when we think about this word submit, Christians are reminded of a very controversial um, passage of scripture. Paul, again, talks a lot about the church and another analogy he uses is that the church is like the bride of Christ and the church should submit to Christ. And here's the controversial part. He says, as wives are to submit to their husbands. And I meet many guys who are like, that's right. I need a wife who's gonna submit. Well, if that's the case, sir, please understand that's a higher calling for you because you need to be a man that's worth submitting to. And all the ladies said, amen. But then it even goes further for all the husbands. It says, now husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died. And before he died, before he went to the cross, Jesus prayed one of the most submissive prayers of all time in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And then he went to the cross. Listen, that's not an easy prayer to pray. It requires 
submission. I don't know about you, man, but I, I love worshiping. I tell people all the time, you can watch me down here on the front row and try to out-worship me because I love worshiping. And oftentimes when you see me worship, you'll, you'll see me lift my hands as a sign of surrender, not because I've lost anything, but because I've gained everything. As a sign of surrender, as a, as a way of saying, Lord, I submit to you, not my will, but your will be done. It's almost as if Paul is saying, just remember the old song. Timothy, if things get too difficult while you're out there on the road, while you're out there preaching the gospel, while you're out there trying to share the good news with your friends, if things get too hard, if they get too difficult, if you tend to forget, just remember what you already know. Remember that old song. For us, maybe it would be, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's an old song, but doesn't make it any less true. Despite how many times I forget, Jesus still loves me. Despite how many times I've messed up, he still, he still loves me and I can trust that his word tells me so. Can I just be honest with you? I think it's really hard to follow Jesus, especially for the long haul. Maybe this is your story because this is what happens to most people. I start following Jesus and I met the love of my life. My family was doing great. I felt really good about who I was. My friends were supporting me. But now, as it's gotten older, the goosebumps, they wear off and me and the love of my life, we aren't together anymore. My family isn't doing so well financially anymore and my friends, they're not really supporting me. Pretty much they've fallen off the bandwagon now. And At first everything was new and fresh and fun, but now it, I forget what that even felt like. And then somebody's gotta come up and say to us, Hey, God is good, and they expect you to reply, all the time. What you really wanna say is, no, some of the time. It's hard, it's hard being a Christian. Can I just tell you, as a pastor, I know it is hard being in the ministry. Don't think I'm not talking about you here either, because if you're a Christian, guess what? You're called to the ministry. We have a saying in our youth ministry that saved people serve people. Not holy people serve people, not pastors only serve people, no, saved people serve. This is something we all have been entrusted to do. But it's not easy. Being in the ministry, my experience is that it's hard, it's difficult. I've seen people that I've poured so much into fall away from the Lord. I've experienced death, the loss of friendships that felt like death, I can tell you just very recently, I was in my car on my way to church on a Saturday night and I was mad at God. I mean, I was punching my steering wheel, screaming at the top of my lungs mad. Me and God right there in my car were having it out. I said, Lord, how can this be happening? This isn't fair. How could you let this happen? I don't want any part of this. 
This isn't what I signed up for. And I felt Jesus speak back to me. It's not. Ross, I entrusted you with this. It's hard to sacrifice. It's hard to serve. It is hard to submit. But I entrusted you with this. And since when have I not done enough? I had a moment in my car where I sat back and I said, you're right. You're right, sir. I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot that if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have anything. I forgot. I forgot my own story, God. I forgot because if I would have actually thought about it, I would have remembered that back before I was ever born, while my mom was still pregnant with me, the doctors told her that I would probably be born with a physical or mental illness, but she prayed a prayer and she said, Lord, if you'll let my baby boy be born healthy, then he will be yours. You can do whatever you want to with him. And I remember, God, that I didn't find that out till I was 16 years old. And I told my mom for the first time that I felt called to the ministry and she confirmed it in an instant when she told me that. God, I'm sorry, I forgot. But as I think back, I can remember that you are my rescue. When me and Nikki were riding in a car, we spun out on the side of the road, went down an embankment, and it was really weird how the tire just slipped right off the rim so that the rim could dig in the ground so we wouldn't flip and so that we'd stop just shy of that tree that we were so close to. God, I'm sorry, I forgot. But if I think back, I can remember that you are my covering because as many times as I failed, as many times as I've messed up, you still had grace for me. You still called me. You still gave me a purpose. You still gave me a hope and a future. God, I'm sorry. I simply just forgot my own story. That's my story. What's yours? What are you going through right now that makes it difficult, that makes you want to quit, that makes you want to give up? If you've forgotten for just a moment, just think back to what he's already done because I can promise you what he's already done far eclipses what you're going through right now. He's already done enough. He is your healer. He is your rescuer. He is your covering. He is your calling. We would have nothing if it wasn't for him, if he wouldn't have formed us and shaped us and molded us. God, I'm sorry that we forget. And now he says, since I've done those things, I've entrusted you to continue, continue to sacrifice, continue to serve, continue to submit. This is what I've entrusted you with. I want, if you would, please, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to, whether you're here at the Newburgh campus or, or watching it West, just want to ask a question with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you say, Ross, you've you, you just been speaking to me. I, I've been doing this thing for a while and I, I think I kind of just forgot. I've slipped away, I've fallen short. Maybe I got into my Christian routine and my relationship with Jesus has become nothing more than a religion and I've just, I've just forgotten. If that's you and you want to just say, Lord, I, I, I choose now to remember. I'm sorry I forgot. I choose to remember. Come on, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right there in your seat, wherever you are? 
Yeah, thank you. Hands are going up everywhere. Yeah. Lord, you see the hands that were raised as our sign to say, now we're sorry for forgetting, but now we choose to remember, Lord. Would you help us now to remember what we've been entrusted with? Lord, help us to sacrifice, to, to give up, to serve, to give to, and to submit, to give in to your will, not ours. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.